Hello and welcome to People Matters podcast. I am Bhavna Sareen, your host for this podcast on breaking the bias. As we strengthen the spotlight on gender inclusion in addition to other diversity spectrums, we bring to you the best practices from organizations and talent leaders who are truly enabling the shift the world of work so desperately needs. Joining us today in our Break the Bias series is Priya Mathilaka, Head HR Titan. Hi Priya, welcome to People Matters podcast. Hello, uh, thank you so much. Must tell you that this is my privilege and honor. I think People Matters is a benchmark when it comes to uh, bringing in some of the best practices that are there across the industry. So it is my honor to be part of this podcast today. Thank you so much Priya for those kind words. I am super excited to have you with us today. So without any further ado, I'm going to jump right into our conversation on breaking biases and accelerating the DEI agenda at the workplace. So my first question for you, Priya, is what are Titan's top three DEI priorities for 2022? So Bhavna, you know, the if, if I were to first just zoom out a bit, and uh, there was a very recent survey that was conducted, um, and, uh, I, and this is from uh, some of the reading that I have done in this space, there were 300 uh, CEOs who were interviewed and um, they were asked what are the top three priorities that uh, the organizations or the CEOs of those organizations have taken on board. And I must tell you that uh, um, 96% of the 300 CEOs mentioned that DEI is one of their top, top priorities. And for Titan, I just wanted to give you a little history, Bhavna, before I jump into the FI22 priorities, is that the uh, in Titan, the founders of Titan way back in 1987 um, were truly visionary folks because way back then uh, they had decided not to recruit employees uh, who are necessarily coming from a watch background or a watch manufacturing background. Instead, they went to many small villages in and around uh, Hosur in Tamil Nadu and recruited hundreds of young girls and boys, as I might call them. Uh, they were barely 18 and uh, just about 18 and trained them in all these areas. So way back in 1986 itself, uh, Titan had taken the step where um, we had men and women who were brought into the workforce, specifically in areas which today many organizations are, uh, are trying to make that dent, which is in manufacturing. So the primary motive at that point was not cost nor control. It was the desire to do the correct thing. And this rose from their recognition to be to have a responsibility of a business enterprise, which is to do the right thing by all stakeholders. And in this case, the stakeholder was the community. So for us, diversity is not a business case agenda, diversity, equity and inclusion. In fact, the way Titan looks at diversity, we believe that it is the right thing to do. And in our organization, we look at it as having a balanced workforce. And the reason we do that is, Bhavna, because it is not about having a certain movement for one segment or one part of the society, right? Finally, what you want is like, like how in society you have a representation across different genders. That's how the workplace should be because it's a microcosm of the society. So in 2022, our agenda really in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are, um, we are uh, from an equity perspective, uh, we tick um, all the boxes. So we don't see a concern today with equity. And that's something that we would like to continue maintaining. What do you mean by equity? People talk about compensation. 
People talk about meritocracy-based uh, hiring and having uh, equal rights and opportunities when they're in the organization. And I think we've done our audit there and, and we are uh, we have nothing there really to work on, but we like to make sure that we sustain it and we are ready for any other uh, new, mo- new movements that we need to look at building in equity. That's a conversation we are having. The second part of uh, this is the diversity and inclusion. And in my view, um, Bhavna, you cannot have diversity agenda. You cannot have have an equity agenda without inclusion, right? And uh, Titan is a multi-generational organizational. So for us, not just from the lens of agenda, but even from the fact that we are multi-generational, inclusion is a big agenda in 2022. So um, right from our leadership teams, who have undergone, I would say, the uh, unconscious bias sessions and programs. Uh, All our managers, all our employees will be going through that in 2022. Uh, And these are programs that we keep doing because uh, we've also realized that as the marketplace is changing, as our consumer is changing, we need to also keep re-looking at our frame of reference, frame of values, frame of thinking that is there. So 2022 is all about having a very robust uh, uh, program in place to make sure that the foundation for diversity, which is inclusion, is set is 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 there. Um, it's set right across all the segments because we have retail, we have manufacturing, we have corporate. So making sure that all parts of your organization are equally geared for much larger percentage of women in the workforce is one part. The second part of our agenda in DI is. Um, Uh, We have, in fact, already exercised some part of this that we do every year, we do an audit of our policies and processes. And we have Avatar that is our partner in DI that is doing these audits. And therefore, we are really looking forward to what are some of the new age policies and principles that we need to build in. We have launched some recently, which I will share with you in a short bit. But um, we do believe that we have to constantly review them. So that's that's something that we we will be looking at in 2022. The third part of uh, agenda really is in something that we have announced to the organization is that in the next uh, three years, we are looking at uh, uh, doubling our percentage of uh, women in uh, in the middle management segment. And we want to have much higher women in the middle management segment because that's where you see the leakage, right? So many a times you ask any organization about their diversity percentage, you know, it may be 25, 30, 35 percentage. But the moment you tell them, okay, let's uh, remove the percentage of women who are there in the in the in in the um, base of the pyramid, and then you try and look at that percentage. It drops. It drops by many fold. And there is a story there. The story there really is about yes, you're able to attract women workforce, but are you able to retain and build them and engage them effectively to take on larger roles? So these are some of our priorities uh, for 2022. Thank you so much for sharing that, Priya. I think it's really heartening to hear when you say that, you know, 96% of CEOs and leaders today are prioritizing DEI. And it's really great to hear the efforts Titan is making across segments, not just one, but across segments to, you know, actually accelerate the agenda. But I'm going to zoom in a bit on the gender aspect of diversity and inclusion. Particular to gender diversity, we hear of a lot of initiatives that companies are implementing, a lot of conversations that they are enabling. But I want to understand from you, uh, how do you see the role of men in enabling and accelerating gender equity? So, Bhavna, uh, I think the role played by allies, as I call them, are extremely critical for this journey. 
and therefore, uh, we also have a program in place in terms of what is allyship? What does an ally mean? And ally really means about um, first and foremost, our understanding of what are our individual biases, having that awareness is the first and foremost. And after understanding that, um, our ability to then say, what is it that I would do personally to support the organization and support the women in the organization in their journey to taking on larger roles and responsibilities? Allies play a very important role in also uh, being the career guidance uh, or I would say mentors for, for the uh, women. However, I would like to state that it is not the responsibility of only men to be allies. You need to have allyship across. So the leaders have to be allies. You, the, the CEO of the company has to be an ally. And then I would say that it is gender agnostic. I would say allyship is gender agnostic. I also want to emphasize it is also not the responsibility only of a woman leader to encourage women. I see that bias as, as well at times. They say, oh, you're a woman leader. And, and you know why don't you encourage more women to, to become like you? But I would say it is not about an agenda of a woman leader to take, become to bring in more women leaders. Neither is an agenda of a male leader to only bring in more women leaders. I would say it is gender agnostic. If you are a leader, you are playing the role. You have to role model and you are playing the critical role of creating an environment where you are building those, um, I would say, building the talent. And that talent, uh, in my uh, view, it is so important to build a support system around that, right? So what do I mean by that? The leaders uh, have to demonstrate both in their body language and in their verbal communication how they uh, come from a position of being uh, equitable and also a position of being inclusive. The next is that, you know, what are the conversations you are having with the women in your team or even outside your team to understand what their experiences have been? And many a times these are very deep conversations. These conversations take a really long time even for them to pick up because many a times they include uh, signs of um, exclusion or, or signs of being marginalized are subtle. And they're not necessarily all verbal, right? So leaders have to also be able to pick those signs up and correct such situations so that they build a very strong foundation. I must quote uh, some examples that in Titan, some of our leaders do. And, uh, you know, some of our leaders have, have a lot of skip conversations and they have group conversations. And these group conversations are not just women. Like I said, you know, we are a multi-generational organization. There are different cohorts. It can be young employees. It's women. It can be young mothers. It can be uh, single parents. It can be because each of them would be experiencing the organization from their own lens. And for us to capture those nuances, I think the leadership plays a key role. What the leaders also do is, you know, they facilitate the process of growth and development, but basis meritocracy. Right. And what do I mean by this? Um, you know, the reality is, Bhavna, there is enough data to prove that women don't easily raise their hand for roles which are higher or to even take on projects which are um, uh, of higher order or complexity. And sometimes you need this allyship to really give you that nudge and tell you, hey, listen, you can go and do it. Right. So I would suggest that, you know, for me, uh, the role of allyship 
leaders as allies and managers as allies and all of this is gender agnostic i would say is extremely important to build a culture that is inclusive and therefore also build a support system that grooms women to take on much larger leadership thank you so much for sharing that priya and i think one thing really caught my attention uh, in particular i think when you said you know women being women leaders being asked to encourage other women to take up senior roles i mean why that they take that caters to the representation aspect of you know diversity and encouraging women to take up senior roles but at the same time what's also important is that ecosystem that you're providing them with are their allies is it just about getting uh, women in senior roles or is it actually building an ecosystem that enables their growth is it an ecosystem that makes their voices heard their opinion where their opinions matter where they have a say at the table and not just a seat at the table you know so to say absolutely and if i may just add to this bhavna you know i want to also share with you in some of our performance calibrations or promotion calibrations that we have in the organization our leaders actually ask for data of you know where all the metrics are similar for 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 men and for women and where a manager uh you know this could be blind spots uh, a manager with all the metrics being similar is recommending a man for a promotion but not recommending a woman for promotion everything being equal all merits being equal and we've actually made this part of conversations so our leaders actually pick this up as conversations with the manager and i think that signaling and that's also part of allyship that signaling is very important and i'm going back to the same point that it is all merit basis however there are so many blind spots and there are so many biases that even we are not conscious of that sometimes the the output that happens is more automated and unless the leaders play a role in calling it out and asking for it uh, these shifts take longer to take place absolutely i completely agree with you there priya uh, a while ago you were speaking about the very uh, you know posted audits you did discover new uh, policies that you implement on a yearly basis you update your current policies the entire ecosystem around it so could you just help me uh, and help our listeners understand a little more on you know all the gender neutral and other inclusive benefits that titan has launched for its diverse workforce and also how are these really contributing to actually building a sustainable and scalable uh, not just dei strategy but particularly driving greater sustainable gender equity absolutely so Uh, like i mentioned bhavna to you that we are an organization that is uh, got multiple workforce cohorts we are there in retail which is front end shop floor in 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 the stores we've got manufacturing uh, which is very different and then we have corporate and within corporate we've got uh, very different segments you know we've got digital analytics e-commerce marketing finance hr so there are it's 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 i would say very diverse in different portfolio of of people who come and uh, who come together and work and we are committed to creating a, a safer workplace and work environment for women in titan and to put this in action we revised our travel and transfer policies first unfortunately our country's infrastructure do- doesn't provide safety to working women especially the ones in the field roles and women often refused or stay away from business critical roles like sales due to this so we've had few women who still break the odds and we've seen them take on these roles and are in field role in the organization but we want more women to take on uh, field roles in fact uh, like i mentioned one of our target is in the next 2 to 3 years we like to have at least 25 30% of our women ec- in the sales 
um, across the leadership, uh, from across the roles and across different leadership levels, we want to increase the percentage of women there. And for that, we want more and more women to take up sales roles without any fear in their mind or in their family's mind. Yeah, or in the or in the minds of their loved ones. So during the course of last year, we spoke to women within the organization to understand their perspectives, their challenges, and how we could help them. We spoke with women in the field roles and with the ones who are very good, perhaps, to take on these roles, but have shied away from doing so. We want to understand what were their perspective and how we could help them in every possible way. So our and at the same time, we also had avatar um, auditor policies as well as give us perspectives of some of the new age policies that are there in other organizations and some of the multinationals as well. So our, our revised policy enables women to choose the fastest and safest option between all formats of travel, be it air, trains, um, hired or self-drive car, bus, whatever they believe is the safest option they can choose for any upcountry travel. Because we have noticed, women told us, and I remember in, in East when I was part of this FGD with the women in Calcutta, and they were saying that Northeast travel sometimes can be very challenging. Uh, trains reach at some two in the morning, three in the morning, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're sitting in the uh, station, and that for us is scary. You know, that's a very scary scenario. So we said, okay, you know what, take, it doesn't matter what part of the organizational hierarchy you are in and hierarchy does not come in here, you can take a air travel. So for a stay in a non-metro location, a woman can choose a hotel where she feels safer and not go by the budget constraints or the entitlement constraints that are there. There is a company car pickup and drop, which I know many organizations do this as well for late evening commute and many such options, which are primarily focused on women having the choice and feeling safe while she does, you know, her job and performing her job without any fear. And Bhavna, most important, we wanted this to be agile with least number of approvals, not having to, you know, wait for manager to approve and then somebody else to approve. So when anyone is, and the other point is about when a person is posted in a new city, there's a lot of excitement, but there's also a lot of fear at the same time. And again, we have heard from our uh, uh, women employees that they do, they do not prefer non-metro locations due to fears about unfamiliar city and safety. However, when you want to grow in the ladder of leadership, these experiences are important. Metro and non-metro experiences are equally important. So there are challenges of not knowing the city, finding a place to stay. I have heard women actually tell us, uh, both men and women also tell us that sometimes a single man or a single woman is often refused tenancy, not just in uh, non-metros, even in metros, right? So we wanted to fix this and we want to help them settle and provide support and do what, and to do that, we introduced a set of um, provisions. We said, we will have a designated person or a peer that will support the woman employee who's, place, uh, who's posted in a B plus or a B class town. Or, or in a non, we have area offices, but in a location where there is no area office. And this person will accompany our women employee for scouting, negotiations, broker interactions, registration, uh, even when movers and packers are delivering, unpacking the household goods, because they need some support. And, and we built this support system. A woman also has the... Um, I would say empowerment that, uh, you know, if the, um, uh, you know, if she wants to extend the hotel stay up to a month, if they have not found a suitable place to stay. So the idea really is to make it as comfortable for, uh, for women when they're moving into these locations. Like I mentioned, even in these locations, we give them company car because sometimes by the time you get used to the local transport, it takes a while. Um, so we give them company car for the daily uh, work commute. 
So all of these are some things that we have provided. In addition to this, we also have created a very, I would say, you know, from, from a parenting policy perspective, we have created gender neutral and inclusive policies for to-be parents, uh, employees, and we've launched this and we've got some very positive response from our employees. So, you know, being a parent is the most important uh, part of our life stage, right? It's life-changing for any individual. And uh, one of the biases, the and I would say it is breaking the biases, you've always correlated women to be the primary care, uh, caregiver, right? But today we see specifically with, you know, the young generation, we are seeing that the fathers do want to play a more active role in parenting. And I believe that in parenting, gender is, it is becoming gender neutral and gender is irrelevant here now. So the policies um, in the past would keep gender as the core focus area because it's gender role conditioning, right? We're not saying that the mothers don't play a primary role because there are some part physiological and some parts of the of the role that only a mother can do. But we do want, we do believe that fathers should also be given a chance and a choice. So we, uh, we wanted to provide a support and flexibility to a parent while he or she embarks on the journey of parenthood, create a policy that is gender neutral and gives fathers opportunities to actively partner the journey of parenting, to be inclusive uh, to all mediums of becoming a parent, which is either surrogacy or even adoption, because we are seeing all of these form, forms becoming extremely important in the, in the choices that people are making. And whether it is single, married or same-sex partners, uh, we would like to be neutral when we are looking at this policy. So truly create a policy that is contemporary and it meets the needs of not only today, but as we are also an emerging uh, market, I'm sure as we go forward in society, some of these are going to open up as well. So we moved away from a gender-based definition of parents' role, that is maternity, paternity, and we have now called our policy primary and secondary parent. That's what our policy calls. And in addition to leaves, the primary parent has plethora of options that provides flexibility, support till the child is over one year. This also includes unpaid leave extensions, half time, half pay options, reduced working hours, working from home options. And this also applies to birth, adoption or surrogacy. Um, and which I think many other organizations are also doing termination of pregnancy, miscarriage. It takes a toll both physically and emotionally and therefore it's important to provide support here. So while we give women up to six weeks of leave, um, if she unfortunately goes through this situation, the idea is also to provide her with counseling support, uh, which we do give them as part of our help one-to-one, -one, uh, and also give, making sure that she has enough space and time to recover. In addition to this, we've introduced cap travel reimbursement for pregnant women, allowing primary parent to travel with the child and one, an, one another person on business travel till the child turns one. No level eligibility for any of these things. They can even choose air travel. And um, a lot of them also prefer, uh, you know, to, to take their nanny along with them and they can do that. So there is a lot of these options that we have, uh, we have uh, offered. So when you are a uh, parent of a child also with uh, who are differently abled, every aspect of parenting is magnified. And we believe that with so much more to think about, worry about planning and manage, these parents also need to be looked at uh, differently. Uh, and we wanted to help. So as per our policy, these parents can plan hours of work that fit around their caring responsibilities, work up to three days in a week from anywhere, avail reduced work hours if the role permits, uh, and some of these flexibilities we've given. 
so so all of these uh, we've also done another thing you know in any organization mobility movement is a very important part of growing right but the tenure requirements under mobility guidelines are relaxed for parents with such children and uh, you know we also give them the choice to move as per their preferred locations because they would look for certain ecosystem support and there is also additional support we provide them financially and for school fees because some of the school needs are very different here so all of this have been extended and this is what i would say is is a recent step that we have taken and for all of uh, our young parents whatever the situation be we have also extended company counselor access to both parent even if only one parent works with us it doesn't matter it's for the family so that's that's what we've done uh, bhavna in addition to this i must state that last uh, yesterday on account of the international women's day we also launched the the uh, network of women our employee resource group it's a self help women it's for women by women and uh, you know these this will be a group that is going to be the voice of women in titan i would say so uh, so that's something that we have launched and we do believe that they would uh, play a big role in thank you so much for sharing those wonderful policies priya and i think those are some very new age policies and in fact that just goes and reinforces the very fact that how dei is you know an ongoing learning journey where we start when we speak about gender neutral uh, benefits for parents it started with you know giving fathers also an increased amount of paternity leave to going to you know 26 weeks of paternity leave to how you just shared about how titan is being inclusive and you know actually taking it to as being a secondary caregiver leave not just a paternity leave to suit different preferences of individual employees and that's something we've done at people matters as well while the conversation began from you know making it more inclusive it actually went on to becoming primary caregivers and benefits for secondary caregivers as well so i think that's really like i said just reiterating the fact that it is an ongoing journey and every year there'll be something new that you discover and you just keep on improvising on what you're offering and just making sure you're actually personalizing your benefits and catering to each and every employee not just every employee segment and as much as i would want to keep the conversation going i have this one more question for you um, so how can organizations steer clear of tokenism in their hiring and cultural transformation efforts to boost representation there is so much conversation going on on getting more people on board from across different underrepresented communities however seldom the focus becomes more on just that number and not truly on how the everyday culture is or the everyday experience of an individual is so if you could suggest organizations struggling in that aspect and you know if you could share some key takeaways for our uh, listeners today how can they really steer clear of tokenism and make inclusion an everyday reality at the workplace so uh, bhavna i would uh, sh- state that you know this is um, this is deep rooted in our society right and it is uh, perhaps uh, something and i do believe that organizations can play a big role in this transformation for the society as well how however like you rightly said we should move away from tokenism and we should look at how do we make it more inclusive right and um, i would simply say look at your customers learn from your customers are you selling your product only to a certain segment of the society are you selling your product to only one part of uh, either age group or gender no right um at least most products and and if i were to speak about titan right yes we we while we have a, a large part of our uh, let's say jewelry is for women but we do have jewelry for men incidentally um watches and wearables um, you know cuts across all genders 
Uh, we do have Indian ethnic wear, which is right now uh, a, a lot more for women, but uh, you know, uh, you know, there is scope for it to be for men as well. So look at your consumers. How are you, if you want tomorrow your you for, if you want to be the brand of choice for your consumers? Uh, include why do you think ninety six percent of the three hundred CEOs have taken DEI as their agenda to remain uh, relevant? and to sustain in the market it is extremely important for your workforce to also re- represent what your marketplace or your customer is if you don't you will lose out how will you lose out you will lose out because there may be parts of those customer that if it is not represented in your workforce you will never understand what their needs are let me give you a small example of this uh, bhavna fast track right which is a which is we have we have multi brand products our products cut across different age groups and segments and fast track is for the youth and when we are putting together our fast track marketing team it is very important for us to have people who understand that consumer segment otherwise you would not be able to see the kind of ads you see on fast track or the products that you see on fast track that relate to that consumer and uh, if you if you are wanting to you know uh, uh, build your brand and if you want to understand that consumer very deeply very intrinsically the only way to do it is 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 having them in your workforce so that for me would be the reason that you would not look at it as tokenism but you would look at it as saying that hey listen this is the right thing to do because i am in business and if i need to stay in business it's important for me to be in, in, uh, inclusive um, let me tell you that in some conversations that i have been having with some very young the young generation and i was in the age group of 20 to 30 uh, they were talking about how they make choices of the brands that they like to use and uh, those choices were made on some of those aspects that you shared which is how what is the organization sustainable agenda what is the organization is the organization inclusive are they um, are they paying fairly to their employees and and you know i won't name some brands but some of the leading mobile brands you've seen some of the negative publicity they got uh, when uh, when you know people shared about uh, um, unfair practices and wages or something like that so i think inclusion has become an extremely important um i would say um one of the key reasons when you are, when people are looking at you as a brand of their choice for organizations i would say that if if you want to drive the inclusion agenda first and foremost you need to just spend time listening to the different employee segments that are there in your company soak in what their what their experiences are and those experiences would be some which are great and some that are not uh look for those um, uh, cues which are non verbal and body language cues that are happening and 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 it is very important that the leaders of the organization come together and talk about the dei agenda of the company and for that agenda you and i would say that many a times i have seen organization struggle because they're trying to figure out what should the di business case be how do i show profits in it and i think uh, if you ask me maybe relevant few years back we moved away from that now why have we moved away because there is enough data if you go on the net in terms of how innovation product innovation or you know there are many 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 uh, uh, what do you call positive payoffs for the businesses on on looking at diversity so i think it's become passe 
using a business case to to uh, to drive a di agenda i think is is of the past because it's now given what your your economy runs not just on one gender right your economy runs on 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 the balanced uh, thing so i would say that for organizations listen to your employees and uh, understand where the organization today stands versus their inclusion quotient make it part of your employee engagement surveys have consequences both positive and negative consequences when you have managers or leaders who are either demonstrating or not demonstrating that inclusion quotient i was listening to somebody recently and they were saying that in their organization when they take promotion decisions 50% specifically for some roles and about let's say leadership roles they say 50% is on how well they've done the job functional capability performance but 50% is on inclusion ratio inclusion quotient how inclusive is a leader is a very important uh, i would say metric Uh, and i would believe that as uh, leaders are groomed as leaders are hired as leaders are built i think inclusion is going to be extreme it's going to be uh, the central pillar of the decision making and and uh, for me uh, if you are not an inclusive leader uh, i would say that there are not just not just from immediate but there are long term implications that you are uh, impacting on that organization so what metrics are you putting in place where you are understanding uh, where the organization is versus its versus its inclusiveness then do you do you, are the leaders coming together and building the di strategy and do you have like we have built a council yeah it's called the di council and our di council is uh, chaired by our ceo and the council has representation from different divisions businesses and segments of the employee uh, workforce and uh, the council decides all the you know the the charter and and our way forward and what we should do so when you are looking at as when the council is looking at it it is not agenda of of one leader one hr or one di head it becomes the organizational agenda so i think uh, the the journey of inclusion is the is an imperative for us to build the agenda of diversity today people are talking a lot about only one gender but i think we should brace ourselves to uh, looking at all genders being covered as we go ahead so that's that's what i would say and i think organizations have perhaps moved away from looking at um, or should move away from looking at tokenism and i would also say that look at ethnicity that's also an equally important aspect right and the reason i'm saying that is in our business like ours where we sell jewelry right ethnicity is extremely important within 100 kilometers the design of jewelry the mangal sutra everything changes right it's like the sambar you go 50 kilometers and the taste of sambar also changes that's how it is so i would say that with with all of that don't you want your workplace workforce also to represent that ethnicity and today india is not looked at as one country it is looked at as consumer clusters and if you want to be if you want to win in that market of consumer clusters uh, that should be represented in your workforce which means you don't have a choice but you need to be inclusive you will have to bring these people into your workforce thank you so much for sharing that and with that we come to the end of this podcast thank you so much priya for your time and those wonderful thought provoking insights with for sharing those with us change is an ongoing process and the efforts shared by you certainly helped make that transition more meaningful and sustainable a big thank you to all our listeners as well for joining us today stay tuned for more conversations on people matters podcast 
with DEI leaders and trailblazers as we work collectively to make the world and our workplace a diverse, inclusive and equitable ecosystem for all. This is Bhavna, your host, signing off. Have a wonderful day ahead and take care.